Well, hello everybody. Uh, today I am very pixelated, but that's because I'm in uh, Bournemouth in a hotel, the country hotel, which is the Miramar. On a, we got a bit of a jolly because uh, my partner Jane has uh, managed to get a, a freebie from a cancellation, and rather than just let the room go to waste, we thought hell not and I could just come down here and give the show give a remote show a go which is why I look a little bit like a kind of abstract uh, watercolor or pics yeah so but hopefully the audio is getting to you all right so at least we'll have that so anyway this is the uh, aside from if you can not focus on my face being uh, looking a bit like um yeah like it's made from four pixels uh, has to do with uh, music technology and uh, we will be talking about that very much today but we've got a few guests that I'd like to introduce we'll start over here with uh, Steve Hillier uh, stevehillier.co.uk or no Steve yeah Steve Hillier UK at Steve Hillier how are you Steve Steve of course is uh, well known for his musical contributions to Dubstar uh, and DJing and education and songwriting are you good Steve? Yeah very well nice to be back it's uh, been a while actually I think the last time I was here was in the early summer and uh, it's been a well, it's been a bit little bit of a disappointing summer weather-wise here in the UK but I managed to get away a to Portugal and Spain which was lovely frankly especially Portugal I, I never really spent much time there until recently and, and I think I've fallen in love with it um, and yeah so back in the saddle uh, making and talking about music really pleased to be here Excellent. And uh, well, it's good to see that you've got your uh, your kind of fantastic god light in play today as the sun <laughs> goes down this time of year. We've got the sort of white yeah. halo that's around you, which is always nice to see. <laughs> oh, that's not you. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. I think it, this is the first time I've ever been happy with how I look on camera, actually. And it's not even me. It's the sun <laughs> streaming through the um, yeah. through this fantastic mature elm tree just outside of here. It's beautiful. Excellent. Uh, I just want to say thank you very much to uh, Simon Elm, uh, Simon Fenn. Thanks. Uh, one for me at the bar. I think I might try that a bit later on. We'll have to see, but I'm going to jump in a fast car and get home. But uh, all right. And, uh, and also we have uh, Mr. Dom Hawken, uh, Mr. Wiggly.co.uk, uh, plugin, de plugin developer and podcaster and uh, all of those things. How are you, Dom? You good? I'm really good, thanks. I was just saying earlier, I, I thought yesterday was Wednesday. It's kind of half term here for me, and uh, I just got the week completely uh, up on its end. But apart from that, apart from doing lots of family stuff, it's all good here, really. Just still working on the plugins, doing a few bits and pieces, nothing outrageous. So it's lovely to see you. But I'm, I'm very jealous of your country house hotel, though. It looks absolutely incredible. So, uh, yeah. I. I had a lovely breakfast this morning and a very nice di couple of dinners. So, yeah, I mean, I can't complain. I, in fact, it's probably a good job because I don't know whether that makes me look thinner or fatter. I'll go for thinner just as I want to hear, perhaps, you know. And, of course, we have Mr Gaz Williams, who's there in Bristol. Gaz, of course, a podcaster, a live streamer, a music technologist, bass player, a man mm. about town. I mean, you've been, you've been rehearsing like crazy at the moment. How have you been? Yeah, good. I mean, it's just uh, great to be back playing with musicians and, uh, you know, but the rehearsing is um, it's tough, but it's good. You know, it's tough because we're trying to reach a high standard. So, uh, but it's good. Um, but yeah, I'm good. Thank you very much. I'm uh, really glad to be here. I think it's quite exciting stuff this week. So I'm um, sort of uh, chomping at the bit somewhat. Uh, <laughs> so, yes. Um, but 
Yeah, I don't know what else to say. Let's get on with the show. That's all right. <laughs> save, save the fill for when my internet drops and I can't actually <laughs> contribute anything. That'll be, that'll be when it's needed. Um, but I just, I just before I go, if you wanted to support us on Patreon, we have uh, been posting some stuff there recently. We've got uh, uh, our ad-free versions of our things. We've did a couple of 40-minute uh, extra pieces from on the Casio CZ1 from Chris at the Battery Operated Orchestra. Uh, we've also got uh, the... Uh, SH1 video he did. If you want to support us, just head over to patreon.com forward slash Sonic State. There's ones for everybody. And also, uh, just on a more serious note, want to say a big love and uh, get well soon to uh, Carrie, uh, who's not very well. As a, she's, a, she's the wife of a really good friend of ours, Jim, who you may have met, uh, Ear Monkey Music at uh, Dam. He's done a few things for us. So uh, get well soon, Carrie. We're all thinking of you. Right, okay, so <clears throat> let's see, where shall we start? Right, I think, oh, I, actually, this is episode 688, so I wanted to start with some old technology. Unit, this machine and, uh, is I've a got joy to uh, work with. This guy. And the added warmth that tape provides to the tracks is an added bonus. Let's see how I integrate this analog recorder with computer-based technology. Or let's not. This wasn't really what I was kind of uh, posting this about. It was more to do with um, the uh, the fact that this is episode 688 and the classic 688 Porter Studio uh, is... Now, that's the, there was a... Oops, I'm pressing all the wrong buttons here. I beg your pardon. It's, that's the one I want. Yes. The 688 MIDI Studio, which was actually, a, unbelievably, an eight-track cassette system, which also built in uh, MIDI Sync. Uh, you could sacrifice track eight, but it had a sort of an interesting system, a MIDI patch bay routing system. I never got one of these. They look really impressive and were a thing of beauty. Uh, that video was, I'm just trying to find my notes now because I don't have the screens I normally have. Uh, that video was from, if I remember correctly, uh, Magic Spiral. So, uh, yeah. Gaz, you had a 688, right? And that's what you said. I, I'm envious. Why no, haven't you still got it? Six, eight, a 46644. <laughs> ah. That was the ah, four-track okay. version of that. So it had the MIDI automation ah. and uh, various other things, which was so over my head at the time. I think I'd seen it. My friend had it, and um, he had a big... He, he, he had a legitimate reason for it. He had a big MIDI studio at the time. I can't even, I think I might have had one or two MIDI pieces of kit when I got that. So it's just sort of like um, way OP for, for what I needed. But um, yeah, I mean, it ultimately though is the sound quality wasn't that great on it, not compared to the four track I had no. before. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it, but I think the thing about that was to my sort of very naive and um you know you know excitable self back then in the late 80s i think when i got it or early 90s i think actually early 90s um pre internet so well pre world wide web so being able to sort of like research stuff was um you know like almost impossible yeah non existent uh, <laughs> music music so shops I'd seen this, I'd seen it, but I didn't know what it I didn't know what it did. I just seen it and I just it just looked like everything I'd ever sort of really wanted. And um when I actually got it, I totally didn't understand it at all. <laughs> so um yeah, I think uh yeah, I, totally um eyes bigger than the belly situation, I think, for me with mine. Um Yeah, I mean I, to, to just to get eight tracks Eight tracks on a cassette oh, yeah. is kind of I mean, oh, it was yeah. well over the top. I, I had a two, I had a two four four. I didn't have anything else like that. But. There was a, 
well, there was another one. I, didn't didn't Fostex have an eight track on the cassette as well? Um, but the four, as I say, the four track version I had was didn't sound that great. So I can't imagine the eight track would have sounded uh, much. Well, it would probably sound a lot worse, really, because well, it was um, essentially half the information, isn't it? I suppose. Um, yeah, it, I mean, it a four track was at least a four track was at least two sets of stereo, so there was no there was no difference yeah. in track width. You were just using the full width of the tape. But this, you're actually, you know, halving the available bandwidth. So, mm. I don't know how. Magnetic Anybody else? Sorry. Oh, go on. Yeah, well, I don't know. Well, Anybody well, else have one of these? Anybody else have one of these? Don, I, I, I have a uh, feeling you were probably. Four, yeah, no, I, I used to love, uh, not one of these, and I would have loved one. I would have been the excited kid in the candy store with one of these because it just looked like you were proper pucker pro. But I had a 244 like you, which was the, the kind of hardcore Porter studio at the time. So it was built solidly. It was a good thing. And the quality of the demos you could get out of those <clears> things if you were careful was stunning as well. I mean, we would signed off demos from Porter Studios. It's stuff that... But, you know, uh, I mean, for those of you who don't understand this concept, I mean, literally, you, you, you had four tracks to work on. One of those would normally be a, a sync track if you were trying to synchronize your sequence or you play everything by hand. But you'd record three of them and then bounce them down, playing live over the top to the fourth track. So you'd end up with four four lots of recording onto the one track. Then you do it again with the next three and the mm. next two and the next one. So you could kind of end up with 10 tracks recorded without going more than one uh, you know, iteration of, of bounce, if you like, between the, across, across the tracks. And you could get some really good sounding stuff. But the trouble was that you then recorded the whole thing off onto another cassette, usually. Uh, I had a manager who, who was a hi-fi with a Revox uh, A77 reel-to-reel machine, which we used to, to stick on the master onto that. And that sounded great. And you, if you were careful, you could really, really do it right. But honestly, the, the, the leaps that you had to jump to. But I went from the 244 to, um, an, um, I think it was called a Model 80 or an R80, the eight track, uh, mm. same same tape size. I think it was, anyways, eight tracks on a reel-to-reel, but, but kind of the smallest tape size that you could possibly get. But the reels went a lot quicker, so the audio quality was a lot better on those. And again, there's, oh, there's stuff out. Uh, there's literally stuff out on Spotify of some quite big acts where you can hear cars driving past the open window of the front of my house where we've been recording vocals that ended up on the master on that thing. You know, I mean, it sounded great. What, what, what you could, as long as you were careful, you got the levels right, you could do stuff that, you know, sounded sounded epic. And it was a game changer for us because, you know, you, up until then, mm. you had to go to a studio if you wanted more than one track to go on. Exactly. I, th I think people yeah. didn't realise. I don't know, Steve, I imagine you probably did a few demos on these. I mean, the, I think it's easy to forget how important this technology was in terms of how it uh, affected, you know, because I think it was Sign of the Times, the Prince album was reputed to have been done sort of in his home studio on sort of lower end multitracks. And it made everybody feel like I could do this. Yeah, let's go. It, you know, Nick, that's exactly right. I... Um, I got a Tascam Porter 1 for Christmas 1995, uh, sorry, 85, so I was still a kid. And that was the first opportunity I had to create arrangements, you know, like I, previously I was just playing a bit on guitar, playing a bit on piano or filling around with one synth. But now I could layer things up and make arrangements and it was a... 
I don't know, an eye and, a, and an ear opener, really. I, and, and, and quite frankly, I think that the lessons that I learned in those days, they've stayed with me right up way through till now. One of the things, though, uh, I was just thinking whilst Don was talking about um, the sort of hoops you had to jump through, I got myself a, an Atari ST and also like a little Simpty uh, sync box. What this enabled you to do <laughs> was to put a Simpty code stripe on one track and then you could synchronize uh, a sequencer to the other three recorded tracks on the cassette. So this all of a sudden it opened up a whole world of uh, sort of sequencing possibilities with drum machines and a whole world of MIDI. But uh, of course, these were cassettes. And in order for the SMPTE interface to work correctly, you had to record the, the stripe, as we called it, quite loudly. So you yeah. were often, if you ever recorded something quiet or in a quiet bit of a song, you could hear this kind of wee running in the background. Yeah. <laughs> and what would make it worse for me was that I, I really loved um, recording a whole load of things with the DBX noise reduction on and then playing it back with it off you just got this huge compressed sound of course that would just completely mangle the sympathy stripe so you had to record that with the with the compression on then take it off it, it was a it was a world of pain but actually the results are pretty good I, 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 as i remember yeah. and I've discovered it's interesting it, it is well. i mean it, it it is interesting how uh, I mean you know without going too all metal or kind of nostalgic, but I mean that, those sort of limitations. But this technology was groundbreaking. I know I never got the eight track. I mean I think I graduated like you, Dom. I graduated to a reel to reel after that, and it was an R eight. That was the first thing I bought with the money that we got from our first ever you know gig, paid gig. I think I bought that in a Studio Master desk. Anyway, um, I don't want to dwell on it too much because uh, it will make us all seem like old gits. Let's uh, let's have a listen well, to uh, to this. This is big um, news today. <laughs> Uh, we're back in the studio. This is the first time we've been back. We've got Andy Mack, who I think actually might have been the last person we mm. had in the studio. So this is kind of a big deal. And not only is it a big deal because we haven't had anybody in for so long, but we've also got the Akai Force, mm -hmm. which, as we know, has, has sort of been a bit the... the, the yeah, I should have probably queued that up a little bit better. The big news, uh, Akai Force 3.1, massive up, massive update. Uh, adds disk streaming, adds MIDI Learn, adds uh, class compliant audio, US, USB audio, uh, plus class compliant MIDI. So you can plug in a whole ton of things. And one of the things that we did was we had a little bit of a jam. We're going to go, let's put the uh, uh, Hydrosynth Explorer in here. I played, let's let's automate some of these samples, some of these uh, parameters. And it just, it kind of just worked. And you kind of made me start thinking, I mean, it was, you know, my contribution was nothing. But the point is, you could have two or three people performing around this as the hub of a live setup. And it was really kind of like a sort of light bulb went on. And as we know, the force has had has been slower to be updated. All the focus went on to the MPC because I think that was probably the more popular. But now it's all, you know, in fact, the force has sort of leapfrogged what the MPC engine can do now. And it's actually a really big deal. I don't know if uh, anybody uh, uses any MPC in their lives uh, and whether or not this has any input. But I, I must admit the force is starting to look like something that I would personally think you know what, I might get something like this just for being able to build my life set around. Uh, Adam, that would be something kind of interesting. What do you think, Gaz? Yeah, I mean, the class compliant audio interface thing is fantastic, isn't it? From a, you know, from a sort of just working in the box and really focusing on uh, getting, you know, 
being away from the computer, working in a focused way, but also having all your all your studio attached to it as well for sampling um, and sequencing. So yeah, big big update. And uh, yeah, and we've been seeing sort of these standalone NPCs, just you know, which are essentially computers, aren't they? Really. So I yeah. mean, them them being able to you know, use class compliancy makes makes total sense. However, I think it's still that form factor and the way that you can integrate that into like a gear centric sort of space. Um, yeah, this is this is cool. But also disk streaming as well. Again, you know, when when did we get disk streaming using a computer from the beginning? So that feels, you know, like I, I, I was kind of surprised that it didn't do disk streaming really. Um, but however, Fantastic. And you can record presumably multiple channels for... Uh, well, you could... It's uh, eight, eight tracks maximum, eight stereo eight. tracks. Okay. Uh, yeah. And, and eight the audio tracks. interface, eight stereo tracks, I believe. The audio interface is either or. You either use the onboard one or you use an external one. It's not yeah, added yeah, yeah, to yeah. what you've already got. That, but the CVM gate stuff still sense. works. Eight stereo yeah. tracks, though, and it can record. And do we know how long it can record those eight stereo tracks for? Well, I didn't actually ask that. I mean, he said it used disk streaming, so I guess as much right. depends how much space you've got as your, got. your as SSD. Or you... space as you got. Well, you know, we've been looking for something like this, haven't we, for a long time, a device that you can, you know, multi-track, but it's not your computer. I think that's... Uh, that's that's that makes this really exciting um but like uh, it's worth clarifying a little bit about what the difference between the force and the mpc is so isn't it i mean the force is is in a way an ableton live clip launch uh hardware platform yeah. um you know and yeah. it's a little bit complicated isn't it when you like look at an mpc in a way when it's almost a clip launch thing um but uh i think for the way that a lot of people have kind of maybe learned to work with ClipBase through Ableton, this is going to be, this kind of makes eyes drawn back to it. Because I mean, I think when it came out, I think people maybe didn't fully understand it. So it-, it Well, I, I also of... don't, it wasn't really ready. It was it was kind of right. what it, when it came out to what it was and what it is now, there's such a massive difference, I think. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, interesting. Yeah, interesting. Uh, what's the price of it? Uh, I think it's about eleven hundred or ten ninety nine, eleven hundred. Oh, I don't know exactly. So it's not. So, oh, mm, Steve, yes, actually, Dick, I, I, I was, um, I looked into that just earlier, and I could find it for nine hundred and thirty two, uh, including oh, VAT. Right. This okay. is uh, British British pounds, by the way, nine thirty two pounds, including VAT and including delivery, which was in something stock. that kind of excited me, uh, you know, because I like low prices, and. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, um, sorry, just to jump jump in here, I um, uh, I, I watched the the video with Andy Mack, and it was kind of intrigued. There was a few little bits and pieces that um, he didn't uh, mention, which I looked at the sort of spec sheet for the the upgrade, and one of them is is that for the first time the force can learn can load in sorry uh, MIDI files. Now this was um, I thought I found a really frustrating omission when the unit was first released because the, the kind of things that I, I do live require some quite extensive uh, playing. And it was just a bit awkward to get stuff into the, the force, basically. Um, so 
given that now that you can that it can play uh, MIDI files, you've it opens up a sort of world of possibilities of preparing um, uh, your performances before you even get it into the force, which is kind of handy. And then when you combine that with uh, yeah, with with the uh, improved Ableton Live integration, where the force can now actually uh, load in um, live projects, that's kind of got me thinking because I think this might be accidentally solving uh, an issue that I've been wondering about all year. I'm about to uh, return to the world of DJ uh, because I haven't been able to do it during the pandemic, and I just I was finding that there's something about DJs with laptops. It just doesn't look quite right to me. So I've been trying to wonder, I've just been wondering, would it be possible to, you know, use a unit like this for DJ? Now, when it, now it's turned out that the Force can use uh, a MIDI compliant MIDI interface or, or mm -hmm. controller, and it can use a class compliant audio controller. It's just made me wonder, would it be possible for me to return back to how I used to DJ, which is that you'd load up a whole load of things in Ableton Live, and you'd queue and you'd crossfade and you'd beat match using that technology rather than um, uh, how you would do it in Tractor or, or, or um, well, I, platforms. What I don't, yeah, what I don't know is whether it will do that real time beat stretching and beat matching. I don't know if it does that, and that's something I probably should have asked, but I didn't think about it, because I agree. I mean, that's how many people used to use Ableton to begin with, wasn't it? It was as as a DJ yeah, yeah. Uh, to, the, before beat matching was available kind of pretty much anywhere else. So, yeah, that's a good, very good question, Steve. Yeah, um, well, hopefully, and, and, and quite frankly, for £932, um, it, it's something that I'd be quite willing to you know, spend out and just see if I can get it to work quite frankly. It is an exciting mm -hmm. update. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I know, uh, um, Dom, you're a kind of big fan of the Deluge, which is a similar principle in that it's a do-it-all box with a lot of uh, controller pads that do all sorts of things. Does this sort of have anything in there that you're going, I wish? Well, <laughs> well I think uh, up until recently, the Deluge did stuff that the Force didn't do, which has now kind of disappeared. I mean, it feels like these last two updates to the Force and the NBC Ranger brought them certainly with the force to the the kind of thing it promised at the beginning it's it, it it sort of should have come out with a lot of this stuff to start with but we obviously had a, a slightly rushed release product with no kind of song mode and some really kind of basic stuff that subsequently comes through um, but disc streaming is is a total I keep saying the word game changer, which is a terrible cliche, but it really is. And the deluge brought that in and it changes everything because it means your samples don't have to be held in memory. Your processor doesn't have to do as much work. You know, you're just pulling sounds directly from disk. So there is no limit on how much audio you can be streaming. Um, the only limit is the size of the, of the, of the card, the disk in the, in the thing. So you can literally launch hour long songs if you want on across eight tracks in stereo and mix between them um and, and it mm. becomes a dj tool much like you're saying now whether it does the kind of crazy uh, sample manipulation that you can do on say an octa track in real time which is a, a nice dj tool but has a real barrier to entry for for some um it would be the icing on the cake but the new effects and and the, the class compliance stuff and it becomes a, a really tempting tool and like my friend inky is always in the chat has been an NBC mad for ages and finally I feel she's kind of justified because they've turned into proper hardcore professional units I mean I used to do demos for Akai way back in the day when it was like preaching for the 
to the converted, you know, look at this S1000 and everyone would just go, oh, because there was nothing to touch it. You know, they, they, they completely controlled the market. And unfortunately, I think there's been a sort of dip more recently where they have a bit of a reputation for, uh, you know, maybe releasing things a little bit too early, perhaps, or being slow to come through with the updates, but totally different, different uh, kettle of fish now. I mean, these these two last big changes have turned them into a, a whole new ball game. And uh, if I can just quote any more cliches, I will try. But it's 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 <laughs> it's literally it's brought them into 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 the modern day. And and they are yeah. I'd love a, I'd love a force. I'd love I'd love an NPC. I'm gonna I'm gonna borrow one from Inky. Apparently, I'm gonna swap uh, something. Whether it be the well, yeah. I'm, for that I'm gonna I'm, I think like. we're gonna get a force down here because I want to try some of the CV Gate stuff and yeah. see how that integrates. Because mm. the thing is, somebody like Andy Mack. I mean, it's the same with when. Chen demos or used to demo the electron stuff it looked so easy but actually in practice how easy you know mm. how much do you have to get as good as them to be able to make it look that easy and for it to be that easy i think it really depends but the thing like i say the thing that i got quite excited about was this the fact that people could collaborate together around that single unit mm. the um I, guys you, you sounded know, like you wanted to come in the thing I was uh, going to say about, and again, it, it taps back into this disc streaming thing and actually frustrations that I've had with various pieces of kit. In fact, Nick, when we did the review of the Roland MC707, the the kind of like looping and sampling <laughs> facility was extremely frustrating because of an incredibly tight amount of sample time. And, you know, it just feels like a, a complete buzzkill, you know, when you're, you know, when you're kind of vibing on something and you want to catch it as audio. Uh, so that it was making me think then about how different devices, uh, as, as my hardware studio has grown, you know, uh, I've not wanted to engage the computer. I really enjoy working with the computer off and I'm out of that world. So finding a device that can kind of capture all of your jams and not, you know, yeah, yeah, you could do it into a uh, into a field recorder or something, but but into something that you can then creatively keep the creative process going. Um, recently, I've been using the well, I haven't got one here, but um, the person I've been jamming with has got a Dell, has got a ten ten a, a black box, mm. and then and uh, and that lets you just record in. And the workflow. I just wanted to but mention only, that only to only to two only to two tracks at a time, though, isn't it? It's only just one track at a time in that. Yes. You can't record multiple. Yes. So yeah. we're making. That's right. That's right. So I mean, this is this this is the point. We're making. We were submixing into that and then just recording stereo jams. But what we were doing was um, starting off with a blank project and it's like sixteen pads essentially, and then just doing jams into the one then do long, long jams, 20-minute jams, and then into the next part until we're kind of populating the grid with different jams. And then to be able to um, fire off different jams then and play. And, of course, this Archive Force does have a crossfader on as well. So that kind of workflow, I just imagine that a lot of people are, are kind of looking for, they might not realise it, but they're kind of looking for that sort of thing. Because the great thing with hardware is all of that hands-on thing, but it's, I don't know, uh, just recording it into the computer, as soon as you put it into the computer, it's in computer world then, and then that's just it's a, a different It's place. a different world. That I, no, I agree. I think the thing that's kind of interesting about this as well is that, it, yeah, the fact that you've got, you've just got it all in one place, and the fact that one it place. will integrate. I mean, because one, one thing that I would sort of notice mm. is like, but basically all the things that were plugged into the force, including controllers, audio interfaces, 
they could have been plugged into a laptop. The, the force is the new kind of the thing in the middle that could be a laptop, it could be a desktop, it could be a computer, or it could be a force. A force will now fulfil a very similar yeah. uh, uh, um, role, but it's, it's, it's a music-focused computing device, I suppose it's fair to say. But yeah, Exactly, 100%. Yeah. And, and I think, sorry, sorry to interrupt, guys, I was just going to say, up until now, you could always do much better with a computer. Um, because it was missing some really fundamental tricks. And I'm not right. saying, you know, you could, you could see it. It was, yeah, disk streaming is a classic example, you know, all that stuff. Now, it's kind of doing enough to be a valuable thing on its own that, uh, that does that stuff. And I don't think it's the force, but the MPC, isn't it recording constantly in the background? I maybe dreamt this, but one of the new things coming out is literally if you've got it in a I'm mode, sure. you, can, you can... I want... I don't know. I don't know if that's it's the case. Of, I mean, it would be... You can capture the last... Maybe. Yeah, anyway. Yeah, well, it's, it would be a great thing to have, just touching on what Gaz was saying about capturing the moment, you know. Maybe not for all ages. Right, well, spe so. speaking speaking of the moment, uh, I, I've sort of surpassed the moment where I should have played a message from our friends over... Isotope Producers Club is a one-of-a-kind membership for producers ready to take their tracks to the next level. Once you join, you'll gain access to powerhouse Isotope plugins and a curated selection of tools from our partners, such as Melodyne from Celimony. Plus, as long as you're a member, you'll get every future update to the Isotope plugins in your membership for no extra cost. We'll also regularly serve you new curated content like exclusive inspiration-sparking sample packs and preset packs, and industry-leading training ranging from our own tutorials to vocal production lessons from the world-renowned Berkeley Online, taught by Grammy-winning producer and engineer, Prince Charles Alexander. With new content being added every month full of valuable production techniques, tips and tricks, and solutions to common production problems, becoming a member is an investment in your career that grows as you and your career do. For more information on Isotope Producers Club, head to isotope.com. And of course, if you go to isotope.com forward slash sonic talk, uh, you'll be able to say, uh, uh, say you came from us, obviously, which is always good uh, because we appreciate the support that uh, they show the, this podcast. But uh, there are certain uh, benefits that occasionally pop up on that page as well. So you sometimes get access to like a, a discounted free month or whatever. So thank you very much to Isotope for continuing sponsorship of the show. And um, yes, I'm sorry, I was a bit late. <laughs> get the next one in uh right so what was the next oh, okay. ah yeah this. i mean this is uh, sorry uh, are you are, we, are you talking about the same thing that i that, that, that I'm, I'm just about to go with which is the new ah. rc505 mark ii ah. <laughs> Right, this is this is sort of turning up a bit garbled to me because I'm not getting the full thing back. But I, mm -hmm. I, I would put it to the panel that the RC505 has been one of the cornerstones of an entire generation of music and enablers. Uh, we're talking kind of people like Ed Sheeran. We're talking about, uh, I think, Demi Lovato, uh, actually. Uh, or was it not, not Demi Lovato? One of the Ariana other Disney Grande. kids, I forgot what her name. 
Ariana Grande started off as a looper. There's a whole strata of performance and performers who are have built their entire careers on this. And the, the MC505 or the RC505, I would put it to, I know Gaz has got one, I know Dom's got one, is being pivotal to them. So the, the version two is uh, well... Mm. Uh, well, ple you know, well pleasing. You know, separate outputs. There's all sorts of stuff going on. I'll come to you, guys. I know you're yeah. gagging. I hope this was what you were uh, hoping was going to be the no, next. No, I topic. am absolutely. <laughs> it's um, uh, also announces the RC600, which is a uh, you know the top of the line floor looper as well. Actually, six six loop tracks on that one. Five or five, of course, being five tracks. And this kind of connects to what I was just talking about earlier about like kind of working without the computer. Now, the five or five has been my favorite piece of kit I think I've bought in the last 10 years. It's certainly been my most uh, productive piece of kit. Uh, I keep filling it up. The memories, the hundred slots are all full at the moment. Um, and uh, and but one of the things about the 505 Mark One is that the sound quality, although is kind of fine, maybe for just sort of uh, for for an understanding of a looper being used in for live performance, maybe, but not necessarily as a recording quality for you know actually using the recordings that you make on it, because um, all five tracks are available in a folder for that particular project, so you can drag it into your uh, into your DAW. Um, major frustration that they didn't address, though, is there isn't an SD card slot on it, which just seems oh. really, really frustrating. Um, some of the older viewers may remember when I actually just, somebody wrote to me and told me they're 505, if you open it up, you can swap out the mini SD card in it, because I think it went, I, I went from two gig to 32 gig but then roland kind of cottoned on to people doing this so actually glued in the st the st card on the mark one which just Why? seems it's such a like, weird thing to I do just, <laughs> really so i mean i think it's just probably because they don't want it to get corrupted somehow that uh so the fact is with the mark two they could have put they could have addressed that and put an sd card slot on it and that would have been really good however i mean there is some significant updates with this one i was talking about the sound quality the recording sound quality the new converters that uh, i've got behind me the uh, rc5 i can just see it over my uh, over my shoulder there uh, the rc5 uh, yeah the rc500 which is um like a two channel looper uh, but that's of the same uh, that's got the 32-bit uh, sound engine, probably. Ah, the, the new, the new yeah. engine, yeah. The new one. And I've got to say, the sound quality, when you record into that looper, is absolutely fantastic. It is a notable upgrade from the 505. So so the 505, I love it so much. I was thinking about, uh, of, you know, what would I have wanted a Mark II to be before knowing that there was going to be a Mark II? And it was uh, really just... I'd have kept everything the same, but just in increased the sound quality. And maybe with the SD card slot on there as well. Um, but just all I was going to say, finally, about it, one of the things that makes the, uh, the 505 so much fun, I think, is the effects and the way that you can manipulate your loops and sort of, sort of rearrange them and do all sorts of kind of interesting time-based stuff. Uh, this there's also some interesting well. undo. There's some, there's some undo points, aren't undo there? Undo history, yeah, right. like an undo, undo history, yeah. yeah. Undo history. Yeah. I'm sorry. Now, one of the things with the 505 is quite cool, though, is that the undos were all... You, you did have a layer of undo for every every one of your loops. Yeah. So that did facilitate quite a bit of that. So they've obviously taken that to the next, next level as well. Um, yeah, I mean, 
would I justify getting one? I think I, I think I will. I think I will. Like I'd like to, but I want the six hundred, the foot pedal. So I'm kind of torn between the two. I might end up buying both. <laughs> but big fan, yeah, big, okay. big, big fan though. Yeah. Steve, I don't know whether because you you do a lot of songwriting. Do you do you kind of mm. do you use loopers in any way when you're doing that? You know, whether it be in software um, or hardware, or is it more just? Yeah. Uh, well, actually, I did have one of the uh, one of the uh, these. It wasn't the earlier incarnation of this model. I must have. I, I, I never really got on with it because I I tend to find that when I'm writing, I prefer not to work with loops. Do you know what I mean? And if you prefer not to work with loops, then really <laughs> this machine isn't for you. Having said that, yeah, what it I was suppose. useful for, yeah, um, but what it was useful for was um, just jotting down an idea. If you, if you can get a, like, a relatively long recording and just something just popped into your head, that was kind of useful. But to be, to be honest, I find, um, you know, my iPhone just as useful for something like that. Um, I was uh, going to mention, though, I saw uh, Robin Guthrie, who is or was the guitarist in a band from the 80s and 90s called the Cotto Twins, Cocktails. play yeah. at a show uh, yeah, down here in Brighton. And he was uh, doing his entire kind of wall of guitar sound thing with a, a loop. Um, it wasn't a bossing. I think actually on his website, it was some Canadian prototype of something or other. Um, but that was quite extraordinary. And, and, and he had a bass player and a drummer with him. So you kind of got around that just rolling round and round on the same recordings by having some variation coming from the bass player and also for the drummer. And um, it's fascinating to see. You can, there's plenty of YouTube videos of him doing this. And I, I, if anyone's interested in seeing what he was doing, I'd just recommend Googling for, uh, one of the tracks. This is called, I think, Big Little Fish. And it's Robin uh, Guthrie. Uh, it was a fascinating nice. thing. Big fat, a big fan of his. I met him once. He was recording in Bath, and uh, he used to have a crate of uh, barley wine <laughs> delivered to the studio every morning. <laughs> During his more hedonistic days, I probably shouldn't have said that. Yeah. Shouldn't have come. Uh, Dom, Dom, let's try. What you, I mean, so it's, it's a big update. It is. It's so lovely to hear Gaz's enthusiasm for this thing because it's such a brilliant thing. Of course, it's worth remembering that now they've discontinued the one. These are going to shoot up in value. And you too can own your own SP four SP five hundred five. Oh, sorry, RC five hundred five. When this one goes on eBay shortly after the show, owned by me in perfect condition, and it's a very, very good investment. So you're very welcome. Ah. To, no, I have to sell it to buy to buy the new one. Um, they are brilliant, and and just uh, there's a couple of videos I put online of my daughter, nine year old daughter, looping stuff on there. They are so tactile and so easy to just enjoy and make stuff on, and and there's nothing really to be said other that, that, that Gaz hasn't already covered in that, you know, the audio quality could be about brilliant. It, it's a testament to how good they are that they fundamentally haven't really changed a huge amount in the Mark II. They've added some buttons so that you can mute and play. It can get a little bit confusing because some of the buttons double up as play and record and, and, and stuff. So you can do that. Um, and they've added some more effects. The effects on this thing you can record on the way in. You've always been able to do this on the way in and on the way out. So you can maybe affect your voice with a pitch change or something. If you look at Mark Rebier, uh, he is the absolute master at the moment of the, of the 505. Uh, and unfortunately, he fell off yeah. his uh is um what's what do you call a one-legged bicycle a monocycle right something, unicycle. Like, something like that he fell no. a and it's a unicycle uh and it was an electric one 
So the words electric unicycle falling off are kind of, they belong together, I think. But unfortunately, he is in hospital, but recovering. However, he's cancelled a couple of dates, but he'll be back. He'll be back. There's some, some very entertaining uh, video of him uh, under heavy sedation in hospital explaining how he's still mm -hmm. going to do the gig, which is quite touching. Um, however, he's he's brilliant. And the, the, what, the, the point of what I was going to say was that you can affect your voice on the way in, and then you can add extra effects on the way out, but you're kind of stuck with them. So this undo of effects and this extra kind of control over easy muting and, and, and kind of stuff is, it's really all that's missing with the sound quality. I honestly can't think of anything else that, that it, this, that it needed. Uh, one thing I, I, I'd have loved it to do and I don't, well, it hasn't said that it's going to do, but is a way to bounce down your finished pro, you know, to, uh, you're still going to have, oh, yeah, you're still going to have to Good point. take the cables out and take them back in. There is yeah. an extra set of stereo inputs as well. And, 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 now it's got two mic inputs instead of just the one. Um, I was going to mention, though, the really yeah. fantastic little workflow thing that you can do with the 505. Um, if, you set one of, if you set the effect coming in to be just simply, if you go to the auto panner and just set it to be manual, it's just, it gives you a manual pan control. So if you just build in loops, just letting it go around, just like a really, you know, going, ah, ah, you know, building layers like that. You I just, you just, you, you just play with the knob and then and then each time it goes around it goes into new stereo positions until you get a kind of big huge nice. lovely pan yeah oh, really a, simple technique yeah yeah one worth trying nice oh uh, excellent well i'm glad to hear it i mean i i just felt that was worth bringing in and i know it was, it was actually trailed several months ago but they've now because roland used to do their thing in september and it's obviously moved a little bit later uh, i should also now play our uh, an ad from our friends over at uh, modal because uh, it's been a while um and uh, we're running out of time so of course this is the the cobalt 8 uh, modal electronics cobalt 8, eight voice extended virtual analog synth uh, innovative oscillator with Getting on for 40 algorithms, morphable four-pole ladder filter, 29 edits encoders for real-time control, internal sequencer and arpeggiator, MPE support for expression, a modal app for Mac, Windows, iOS, Android, and VST3 AU. If you want to find out more about their Cobalt 8, check bit.ly slash get underscore modal. We thank them for their support. Um, yeah, uh, de definitely a, a very powerful and useful um, piece of technology. Kind of moved on a bit. And, and it's so easy, isn't it? Because Roland uh, quite often go nearly but not quite. They actually they haven't messed around with it too much. They've kept it all kind mm. of going. Uh, right, what's next? Let me just see what I've got next. Uh, well, I mean, we ca I, I, I didn't want to front load this, but I mean, you know, we all know what happened on Monday. Uh, in fact, some of us are probably going to pre-order based on um, what we saw. But yes, this is the news. The new M1 uh, MacBook Pros, which everybody was hoping for. M1 Pro chip, M1 Pro or M1 Max chip, I forget which they are. Basically, silly powerful, more ports, SD card, MagSafe, thank you, more Thunderbolt ports. More, more expensive, but a lot of computer. And I, I know people get a bit uppity when we get all Mac focused, but I put it to you that this is actually a pretty big shift in 
personal computing for the creative types. I think I've said this before, but you know, I'm thinking, you know, I'm, I'm struggling with this computer to get on. This, this Mac has lasted me since 2000, late 2016. You know, it, it feels like it's uh, earned its keep. And these Macs are more expensive, yes, but I feel like they, uh, if the same sort of build quality goes ahead, they will have earned their keep. And also the power that they are now introducing is just sort of completely off the scale compared to what you might find in other laptops. I'm gonna to come to you first. Um, Steve, because I don't know where you are in your, are you about to upgrade? Would this be something you would consider? Do you even use Macs day to day? You know, what, what, what are your thoughts about this? Because yeah. I think it's, I think I personally, um, it's a biggie. Yeah, I, th I think it's a biggie as well. Look, first of all, um, I am going to be getting one of these. And the, the reason why I'm going to be getting one of these is firstly, my Mac Pro, which is running all of this, it's now eight years old and it's, it's okay, it, but it's it's showing its age a little bit. Now, I've got some quite extensive experience with the MacBook Airs, the M1s, the most recent uh, models, and they've been superb to the extent that I've completely replaced all the iMacs at our company. This is like 27 people. We've got rid of all of them, older iMacs, and set up... Um, and everybody who works for the company with an Apple MacBook Air, and it's been brilliant. The only downside, actually, which is something I didn't anticipate, was that the iMac obviously has everything internal. With the MacBook Air, if you're going to plug in a keyboard and a mouse and a HDMI, there's cables everywhere, but that, that's a minor thing. So about a year's experience with the M1, absolutely love it. So I watched the uh, Apple event on Monday, got really excited um, metaphorically got out my uh, credit card and um, I was just sort of thinking right okay so what, what should I do here this, it was a real sort of kid in the sweet shop moment should I get a, a pro or should I get a max chip and I wasn't sure I was going on the graphics that Apple put up on their um, uh, on the uh, video and there didn't seem to be any significant difference between the Pro and the Max when it came to CPU performance. Now, when it came to graphics, sure, huge difference, no, no question there. But the, this machine would be primarily for music, so I wasn't sure. Next thing that happened was I went to the um, the website to to start fitting around, you know, configuring what I wanted, and I noticed a few different things. Firstly, um, in terms of configuration, you. Maybe someone can correct me if I'm wrong here, but you can't get higher than 16 gigabytes of RAM on the Pro chip. If you want more than 16 gigabytes, you've got to go for a Max, which was something they didn't mention. Also, another thing they didn't uh, mention uh, is that you, um, they said that the models were available straight away next week, which is true, but only the base configuration. And the base configuration is the Mac that has eight cores rather than 10. So we didn't have any uh, sort of indication of what the difference in performance would be between the eight and the 10. So the next thing I did, sorry, this is a bit of a long story, but I, I was you know, quite concerned about what was going on here. But concerned in the sense that I wanted to get the most bang for my buck. So I looked at the specs that they put up in the Apple event where they said that the uh, the new machines were going to be almost twice as fast, I think it was, as the 
i9 MacBook Pro, which is pretty good. So that meant that you got a 60% with my little calculations here and also using uh, <laughs> MacBench, which just gives you like kind of a rating for the speed of a CPU. It gives it means that the new um, uh, laptops will be about 60% faster than a current MacBook Air, which is pretty good. But then later on in the Apple event, they said that the... Um, that the, the, the new 14-inch uh, MacBook Pro would be something like 3.7 times faster than the previous generation 14-inch uh, MacBook Pro, the, the i7, which which it all got a bit confusing. And it gets a bit confusing, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So basically, the, the, what this has meant is that where previously I had my credit card ready to go and I was just going to buy it, and also, given that the it's going to be at least a month until they're getting out any, as far as I could tell, any uh, laptops other than the base configuration, I'm going to wait to see what the reviews say and what the user re reports are on just how powerful these machines actually are and whether for music, whether you need the Pro chip or the Max chip. Because at the moment, it's really not or, clear. I mean, and, yeah, or, or you could probably just make do with the Air. I mean, that's pretty powerful well, too. I think you can mm. you can go up to 32 gigs on the uh, on the 14. Okay. Of storage. Okay. Of memory. That's, Sorry, that's, I just want to clarify to that. Um, it's yeah, interesting. Sorry, I mean, just... I'm... Sorry. Sorry, don't, no, just, don't, just don't to round off this story. Delays. You, make a really, you make a really important point there. Um, the MacBook Air has been superb. Absolutely superb for music. And um, I've, I've got into the habit when I've used the air of... For example, and I think you've done even a video on this, where using Yuhi's uh, Diva in its highest quality mode was always a, a sort of decision that I had to think about when I was putting stuff together. Now, it's on almost the whole time, and I don't think about it. And, and I think that that's had a very freeing effect um, for when I'm sort of putting stuff together. So I, I love it. Maybe I will just hang on. Mm. Yeah, it might well be worth it. I mean, it is a lot more money. And I know, you know, I, I apologise to those of you who don't or aren't into Apple's stuff, but I think you probably will find you will be soon if you work creatively because of the amount of power. I would put a point in, we use the MacBook Air uh, at Superbooth to do all of our videos. And we normally take three laptops, you know, there's uh, one editing one, another editing, so three people. But because it rendered so fast... The guy, the guy, Rob, who normally does all the editing, he had no breaks because he would just finish and it would be rendered in a minute. And because we had really good bandwidth, he'd be uploaded. He had no time off, you know, whereas normally the render time would be, the, I'll just go and have a cigarette or whatever. None of that anymore. <laughs> and that's on the base level MacBook Air rendering our show footage. So it's really quite quite an impressive machine in, in itself. So I, I'll come, yeah, come in with that chuckle, master. Dominic. <laughs> yeah, what a, what a thing. I, I was... Do you know what? It's just a perfect tipping point moment, isn't it, for, for new Macs of this capability. What I was going to say price-wise is is I, I'm, I've got a Mac Pro here that I've had late 2013, so it's eight, nine years old. Uh, it works brilliantly. It was really expensive and high-spec when I bought it eight, nine years ago. It's got eight-core, three-gigahertz processor and 32 gigabytes of RAM. So back then, that was a massive deal. It's probably four or five grand's worth of kit or something. However... Eight or nine years on, it still runs as many versions of Omnisphere I want on as many tracks that I want. It does loads of video editing. It's still just 
thonks away in the background and, and works. And it, I've never, just like the comment about Diva that was Steve, Steve was making, you know, it just does the job. So it's cost me, I guess, you know, about 350, 400 pounds a year, and it'll still be going on for the next year or two, I'm sure. Um, but it's now got to that point where uh, I'm still running Majavi on it, to be honest. Um, I will probably upgrade, but it does everything I need in the studio at the moment. And I'm really, really happy with it. So it was a massive investment back then, but it just, it pays off and the same with my laptop which has just started to go wrong the power switch has started to fail but it was really really high spec expensive uh 10 years ago kind of laptop um that if it weren't for the power switch kind of getting a little bit flaky and it's starting to not switch on it still you know does everything that i need it to do so i'll probably replace that with an air I, i'm probably gonna wait for at least one more generation or, or, or a Mac Pro type, type, type alternative rather than, I will see what comes out. I'm in no rush to replace this one. Um, if I had if I had the cash, I probably would start thinking about it, but it's going to be good for at least another year or two here. Um, but they just, they just do the job. They're so solid. And uh, if you kind of amortize the cost over the years that you're going to be using it, it's just you know, another cliche. It's just a no-brainer, right? It's, it's, it's just, it is what it is. Yeah, and and I, I'm that's the th fully brought into the concept. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, yeah. I, I, I mean, I, we do we do use PCs at, at work a lot as well. In fact, this is running on a virtual PC, you know. So we're not all, but for for some things, I mean, you you took the leap quite early, Gaz, into M Wide World. I mean, I don't know how successful or frustrating it was, but do you think these are you tempted by these, or do you think I don't need that? This is enough. Uh, I, I'm like Dom a little bit. I've got a trash can Mac Pro that's still working great for music. Um, I use my M1 for my live streams and that sort of thing. And that's been great for that. But I have to say, I'm just going to have a little rant here. about. <laughs> so there was a few things in the Apple presentation, which was incredibly slick, by the way. And in fact, I'll just mention about those since the, uh, since kind of the COVID era, all the Apple presentations, you know, rather than, you know, than walking on the stage, kind of following on from that sort of Steve Jobs presentation thing, you know, and the, they've been doing these, multimedia kind of extravaganzas with incredibly slick uh, production values. And it's worth mentioning that the first thing we saw when this Apple event started was a, a music technology setup and a Soma Lyra 8 really clearly oh, nice. in shot right at the beginning. And I thought, wow, from a music technology kind of point of view, yay, come on. And <laughs> and then that opening, then obviously using Logic uh, and then stood in the grass, Steve Cook said something like, you know, now we're going to focus on, I, strange, I can't do his accent, he's got a strange accent. Um, he said, and this, this event's going to be about music and the Mac. And I thought, God, we just watched a music technology opener. I thought we were going to be in for something extremely exciting. And I was a little bit yeah. disappointed because I knew that these processes were coming out and, uh, but I was really hoping that it was going to be something else. Um, but just on that level, things for music, um, there wasn't, I was, I'm still hoping for wireless drivers, wireless, sorry, wireless, super low latency wireless audio. That's what I want. And they didn't, that, and they didn't bring that I was hoping for, but, um, well, maybe not on this event, but the, the, uh, 
the new Macs, the new MacBooks, what they've done is they've gone back, haven't they? The keyboards, they've gone yeah, rid they've got, of the touch. They put the stuff back that they put the put the stuff back that we wanted, like you know, MagSafe, yeah, more ports, MagSafe, that sort of stuff, you know, yeah. more ports, and that. and the thing that nearly got me through my shoe at the screen was when this woman said, "And you won't be needing sort of adapters or something in one of the presentations." Oh my God! It was you who made us get them to turn all these adapters. So don't be so smug about it, like you know. Hurt, you're not going to need a tablet. Oh, I tell you what, that was that was the, that was the scream emotion. Um, but yeah, so I was kind of hoping for something more. There is um, high impedance support for headphones on the new MacBooks, so that was oh, the only thing I could glean that was specifically for music um, that could benefit music production. Um, the new version of Logic is at 10.7 with uh, full um, Dolby Atmos. At Atmos, so, yeah. Uh, That's Atmos. a real so that, biggie, isn't it? Yeah. That's so, a big one. Yeah. Mm. I actually, and of course, at this point, announced... I should put a pl- can I, sorry. Can I just put a plug in for our uh, our piece with uh, Yoad uh, that uh, where he basically you know ah. Yoad Nevo's had this Atmos system and he's done a video. Uh, we've had a chat about his system, about the setup, how you need to, how you use it, how it integrates with the Logic, and uh, just just wanted to put a plug in for that. So do check that. Out. Sorry, guys, didn't mean to interrupt there. <laughs> so right, no, um, there was an announcement about also new. Um, airpods uh and the only thing there that's of interest i guess is that the, those new airpods are can do at dolby atmos um so i'm just wondering you know how people are meant to be monitoring you know with it with logic and the dolby atmos um are they going to be you know i can you use these new airpods Not uh really. I mean, monitor. to be honest, the the whole the whole yeah the whole point about the whole point about Dolby Atmos having a certified system is when you when you mix it in that room on that system, you know what it's going to be. You do it on a pair of headphones. I mean, it's binaural. It's Dolby not the Atmos same headphones. thing at all. Yeah, uh, no, I, I, but it's still I'm binaural. Just wondering, but I'm just wondering, you know, what if there is any kind of music benefits to that stuff though you know whether those whether those headphones supporting uh dolby atmos has any you know benefit because you know for them to be put in into logic and very few people are going to have atmos systems are they so how else can you listen to it no i don't I, yeah i don't really know that's a good but, question I mean, I, i'm and just I wondering just i'm just wondering on but you know, like if you're just playing like synth pads and it sounds just really 3D on your on your headphones. Um... Nothing wrong with that. That's good news, right? <laughs> more synth, yeah, no, more that's, surround synth. That's what I was just wondering about. That's, that's what I was wondering about. But, but because I'm I was mentioning no one's... when he, they started the event with this music technology sort of presentation. Yeah. You know, if you if you see the event, it's the guy building a track in real well, sort of um it's really, really slickly done. But um yeah, so that's all. I'm just trying to figure out what's the big news for music tech other than the laptops oh, themselves. Yeah. I think Steve wants to come just, in there. Um, yeah, just while we're discussing things that they didn't announce, I was really looking forward because I'd read this on a variety of sites. I was looking forward to them uh, launching an upgraded Mac Mini. There was talk about um, the new mm. chips going into a Mac Mini. It was there was people calling it a Mac Mini X or whatever it was. If they'd have announced that, that would have been superb. Mm. 
that would have been um it would answer the questions that i had in my mind because i think i probably got enough power well certainly actually got enough power for macbook air to to do anything i want to do live but a little mini um that would have replaced my umbrella stand mac pro here which is you know quite a thing but it didn't happen so um no that was my it's Monday got, it's got to be on the way though it Oh, it's got to be on the way. Anyway, I don't want to dwell on it too much. You know, we have spent quite a month Apple stuff, but uh, hey, um, I suppose it's nearly five o'clock. So maybe what I should come to now is uh, um, picks. Has anybody got any picks? Because uh, we've been doing this for a couple of weeks now. And I thought, actually, I'll go with mine first because um, it's a bit easier um, because I can press the button. <laughs> so let me just press the button. This is my pick. Uh, I think, oh, that button. That's what I want. Midi patch bay. Really, really simple. Uh, this is uh, by not just a hat. And I know it's very basic, but all this does is allow you to take any USB MIDI interface, uh, whether it be you know USB class compliant, whatever, and route it to any of the other MIDI ins and outs. And for, for instance, what I do is I use it in uh, live streaming to kind of take an external MIDI input and inject that into an RTP MIDI uh, routing. So it just allows me to do all these kind of uh, uh, routings. And it's free and it's all cool. I just thought that was a good one. It's a GitHub thing. But that, that's, so that's my first tip. Uh, and my, I think my second tip was, uh, if I've got this, the, uh, it's the Zoom MS70 CDR FX, which, uh, oh, it's going to make me do all of this. Let I me mean, click, click on the, yeah, I'm not in the right place. So therefore, oh, it, the browser is now telling me I have to allow cookies. Come on then. Let's see it. There it is. The MS70 CDR, which is a really good little multi-effects unit. Got some great quality stuff. Brilliant for, for jams. And it's only about 100 quid. So that's mine. Those are my picks. Anybody else got any picks? Me. I've I have one. a pick. You go for it then. Oh, I'll, Steve, yes. I'll put, uh, okay. I'll, let me just get that going. This so is my I pick. think it was. Let's see if I've got there we it. go. Yeah. So modal Argon Eight. That's right. Yeah, there it is in the shop. There we go. And the uh, reason why I'm putting this forward as my pick is that I've been using it a lot just recently. I um, I think it's I think it's underrated if you know what I mean. I think um, I it took me a while to uh, get around to buying one of these because. I'd seen a lot of, of uh, sound demos on YouTube, and they just do not do this synthesizer justice. So the reason why I got it in the end, two reasons. First of all, it's just got a sound to it. It's got a, I think I've mentioned before on this show, it's got a bottom end that's solid, dependable, clearly digital, but often that's what you want, especially if you're putting together dance tunes. Very helpful. The other thing is, it's really solid. You can really mm, Yeah, nicely this. built. Yeah, it really is. It's a great keyboard, and given that it's four ninety nine, um, and as a controller, it's great. You can uh, in programs like Logic and Ableton Live, you can reassign these uh, knobs to do basically whatever you want. It's great. Um, can't get enough of it, really. Which is why I've got two. Ah, okay. Well, thank you for that. Um, uh, uh, Dom. Yes, I second your you? MS70 uh, effects unit. That's really, really cool. However, uh, I've always wanted a KX88 master keyboard ever since I had a Saturday job in a store and they had one. And it's just like a beautiful old school Yamaha 
weighted master keyboard. It was kind of the first uh, proper keyboard that didn't make any noise, actually, to be honest, to, to control all mm. your other keyboards, probably designed to be sold to kind of rock mega goth uh, keyboard players like Rick Wakeman or whatever, who needs that kind of stuff and could afford one. But they are amazing things because Yamaha's um, ability to make piano and, and that kind of technology and the keyboards they make are brilliant. And so I found one for 250 quid on eBay oh. and it was a right mess. I mean, great deal. Um, but I think I've got uh, a picture here, right? So what happens with oh DX7s my. and KX88s is this, this oh kind of... Um, surface here just cracks with old age and it's not been misused i mean that whole thing is in beautiful it's got the vinyl moth <laughs> but yeah exactly the membranes literally just break so you can you can tell that patch 8 and patch 12 were really really good patches for whoever owned this one but they, they just literally break same with dx7s and stuff so there's a company called sweet discreet which is an interesting name but they've they're a studio and and, and they do mastering and stuff but they've started a, a sideline recreating these um as vinyl overlays and they're super high quality um and they they come literally as a uh a, a kind of sticky overlay but beautifully put together um and i can show you the result is so it's gone from that to this absolutely beautiful brand new Ooh. looking kx88 and they've even got this beautiful red cutout for some reason the kx88 i had had slightly green keys and they always had blue ones so whether the blues faded or i just had a really rare one and i've now completely obliterated it by replacing it i don't know but um yeah it's absolutely stunning the quality is brilliant i think the kx88 one was 75 quid they do them for dx7s for 50 quid that kind of stuff uh here it is yamaha dx7 i think and nick had the link I'm just gonna put post, in the chat um, i'm just gonna sweet, post sweet, it and a super nice guy as well really 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 good man so yeah that was that was my find it's completely i mean obviously it doesn't make any difference to the sound but it's absolutely lovely having this this you know really lovely looking keyboard again back to its original kind of beauty so yeah that's my, that's my one i'm trying to find the uh the, the don't worry i can paste it in the chat enough. i think if uh I'll paste it in the chat. I can go, I can go to here and paste it there. Sweet, discreet. Oh, neat one. Cool. Nice one, Dom. That sounds good. And how are you getting on with it? The key, is the keyboard all right and the keypad okay? It's great. It's great. And I, I, I pop the top off. And honestly, there's a tiny little bit of dust in there. It looks new. The things are built like tanks. Um, they had pod, did I they have pod the aftertouch any... as well? No. No, that's the only thing. I wish they did. And I don't think it's something you could retrofit either, but they're absolutely beautiful no, keyboards. Sure. Um, you know, that would, oh, wouldn't that be the icing on the cake? £250 God, for imagine, the yeah. keyboards. Yeah. <laughs> 88, uh, okay, okay. But yeah, that'd be asking mean, a bit much know, gas. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Go for, I was just going to say, if you, find a, if you find an eBay, you'll start seeing a lot of this with the memory Yamaha-style membranes on stuff, but there is a way of bringing them back to life. So grab them if you see cheap things that are broken up like that on eBay, because you can certainly bring them back to life now. Ah, there we go. I can post it there. There it goes. Sweet discreet. There we go. That's my new name. Gas. <laughs> yeah. Did you have anything, uh, anything you wanted <laughs> well, to throw uh, in for this week? We haven't week? mentioned the uh, the, the new uh, Sonic uh, Sonic extensions, the uh, the Omnisphere from Spectrasonic. No, that's uh, true. That came in while I was look, away, unfortunately. Right. So those look really nice, actually. If you're an Omnisphere user, like I am, although I don't use a lot of software since these days, but Omnisphere almost kind of finished it for me. It's like 
do you need anything more? But um, what they're doing is they're releasing essentially ex extension libraries, but they're doing it in a quite an interesting way. Uh, you have to have Omnisphere 2 in order to, to, to use these, but um, they are, they've got a, a They've got their own sort of uh, each, each one of the libraries has its own front panel with different set of controls that are specific to the actual library itself. And um, each one brings two new effects, which you can then use on anything within Omnisphere. So it's quite an interesting way of um, bundling a few extra goodies in with a kind of sound library. I mean, essentially, that's all it seems to me is just um, sound expansions for Omnisphere, but they've done it in a way which, <clears throat> you know, just is would typically brilliantly done, uh, as you come to expect with uh, Spectrosonics. Um, and yeah, I just think they look really good uh, worth, and worth mentioning about, I think. Yeah, and it. as you, I, I, I don't know, I, I don't know because I did see the, I did see the press cup thing coming on Monday night, but I've been away and I just didn't get around to, to reading up on it. So I'm glad you did mention that. Uh, is it free like their usual stuff? I mean, they usually kind of. Uh... No, no, these are these are these are these are. Um, this is like a new, a new thing for Spectrosonics. It seems like a new platform. Um, in fact, it right. has its own website, SonicExtensions.com. Uh, so, so you buy them. Uh, uh, and Eric, in the you know, it is very uh, persuasive and uh, excitable manner. Uh, sort of uh, was talking about if you buy one, if you buy two, you'll get like twenty percent discount. Buy three, you get thirty percent discount. Or something. So, uh, so ah, they're not. Well, they're not uh, to be fair, to be fair, it's, a, it's about time they introduced something that you could actually pay for because it's been such yeah, a long right. time. Let me see if yeah, let yeah. me see if I can play yeah. this. It might play. Welcome. Mm. We are super excited to introduce Sonic Extensions, a completely new experience for Omnisphere. Sonic Extensions is a new brand of innovative products that are built by Spectrosonics. Now you probably know that Spectrosonics has been around for a long time, that we started with sample libraries, and that now our main focus is our virtual instruments. But now... Right, so if you go over to that website, you'll be able to see the full thing. But uh, maybe we can talk about yeah. it a bit more next week because there will be some more uh, to go. Uh, I want to say, oh, thank you very much to uh, uh, Synthetic for some uh, beer, beer fund. Excellent. <laughs> That's always good to see. Thank you very much. Uh, I guess we're at the point where I should probably wrap things up. I'm sure everybody's a bit sick of looking at my pixelated face. Uh, but we got through the show. I mean, that just goes to show it is feasible. I don't know how it's gone out, out there, but I'm assuming the experience has been adequate. So let's say at least I hope it has been adequate. So it's probably time we uh, we kind of said goodbye to all of our guests but and thank them very much. Steve, it's been lovely to have you. What's next for you? Are you kind of uh, producing, writing? What's what's next on your, your to-do list? Uh, well, I just released a uh, new collection of uh, solo compositions that came out on Friday. So um, you can find that on Spotify and all the other uh, DSPs. And I'm moving uh, on to a completely new thing, which I mentioned at the start of the show, which is um, a return to vocals and singers and dancing and excitement, hopefully in a COVID-free world. So that'll be, well, 2024 <laughs> or next year. We'll see. One of those two. <laughs> oh, yeah, I do hope so. Well, lovely. Thank you very much, Steve. Uh, that's look forward to that. Where would people find that uh, uh, that stuff? What's the easiest you, way? Is there if a you go point? to uh, yeah, if you go to stevehillier.net, uh, you'll find everything there. In fact, everything I've been doing uh, for over the last couple of years can be found at stevehillier.net. 
Right, I've posted it. Thank you very much for that. And also, Thanks, uh, Dom, uh, lovely to see you too. Uh, pleasure, as ever. I'm glad to see you're, uh, you're going to be doing some more reviews. So what are you reviewing then, Dom? About, should we be worried or should we be hiring you? No, 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 not at all. It would be nice to put it out in the sonic state. If it's any good, I'll send it to you first. Be, I'm just, I just wanted to be able to kind of show off uh, some bits and pieces that I've got. With, we were talking about cameras before the stream, basically, and trying to get close-up shots of, of keyboards where you could actually uh, you know, see what you're doing rather than horrible uh, pixelated stuff, that's all. But no, nothing nothing major, just uh, just some work to use. I want to go back and uh, do some more Deluge videos as well because I did those like two years ago, and they've, there's so many views on them, but the uh, operating systems come up so fast that you know they're, they're, they're kind of invaluable but but out of date to be honest but i've got um, right. adam angelo a guy called adamski a in the chat here on sunday on the mr wiggly live stream which is always worth a watch if you're if you're down on the sunday evening yes. and fancy a bit of a lift he is making uh, an amazing uh, monophonic synth from from scratch he's a really cool guy and he's literally kind of taught himself electronics and he's just it sounds brilliant as well uh, a real a real synth maverick so that's going to be worth a, a watch i hope so 7 p.m on the mr wiggly youtube channel if you wouldn't mind excellent well I, and i'd love to be on at some point i just uh, probably i keep asking for a date yet, just, a, just a date is all we need yeah it'd be great to have you <laughs> i'll give you a date no problem uh, anyway lovely to have you dom thank you very much and also mr gaz williams have you got a show tonight what's happening in your world yes oh excellent mm, i think so i <laughs> i think i'm just going to do a farting around episode so if you want to join me for a fart around i was thinking of a tagline you know let you know wasting my time and yours since 2020 <laughs> or whatever um <laughs> just uh yeah so if you want to join me for a fart around then uh yeah 8 p.m on my gas williams youtube channel Excellent. Well, it's been a pleasure. I'm glad it worked. Uh, I want to say thank you to everybody for uh, hanging in there. And uh, I hope it, like I say, I hope it has. Next time I do this, I'll try and make sure I've got a better uh, version of... Uh, uh, oops, I've got update. A better version of uh, internet than I have here. But to be fair, that's actually that it worked on hotel Wi-Fi is a blooming miracle. But that's it for this week. And don't forget, if you are a Patreon supporter, uh, one of our higher tiers, you should see your name fly past as we play out. But for now, we'll say goodbye. And thank you very much for watching, everybody. See you next time. Take care now. Bye-bye.